0: This is the Acting Up Podcast with your host, Allie Goodman. Hey, friends. Hi, it is the last ketamine session. I had today, actually, and wow, uh, I have so much to report and so much to explain and share and talk to you about, and I just, I'm, yeah, it's been an amazing ride, I'll say that. So I went in today with, mm, you know, just feeling pretty good, especially after Tuesday's session, and had a very, you know, good day got in, relaxed, sat down, got everything, you know, started, started talking to the therapist a little bit, telling her that I was feeling, you know, really good. And she was so lovely. She actually, she wrote me a poem. Uh, She wrote a poem. I shouldn't say she wrote it for for me. She did give it to me. Uh, But she gave me a copy of it. But she wrote a poem about our journey together and what she's seen. And the experience and it was really such a lovely moment, and I thought this is so. It it just it just landed perfectly, you know. And then uh, we went to do the session, and we did a little bit of a grounding meditation right beforehand, which was great, uh, and I felt really relaxed and good and and ready. And we started the session, and we had moved everything up from. So they they bump it up a little bit every time so you don't have tolerance of it but uh, this time it was 40 milligrams to start and then the nurse practitioner came in and offered the, the, the next dose if I wanted it and I did and I went and it was I mean I remember it being I remember sort of being at the bottom of the ocean kind of moving through water which was really lovely for a while and you know nothing really distinct happened it was just sort of this follow the journey as it goes and that's just what it was it was just this like lovely sort of breathing into it and uh the only thing that was different was the headphones stopped they just weren't working before we got started so instead of having headphones on I still had the eye mask I still had the way to blink it I was still in the recliner uh we we just had the music piping out of the speakers which was fine it didn't make a difference I still heard it just fine I still felt Like I was involved in all of that. Uh, I did hear when the nurse practitioner came in and asked if I wanted the second dose. I said yes. I think I probably said sure because I think that's what I always say. (laughs) And she gave it to me and I'll tell you, it did not take long. I was not under for much longer than that after that. At least it felt that way. And it was a pretty short experience altogether, which is odd because I think – that's the most milligramage I've had in my system, but one of two things either happened either I my brain was like, we're good, we've had enough ketamine, we're happy, we feel good and we're, we're we're coming out of this and we're good or hey, we've done the healing we're gonna do here and maybe there's more to do but that's not happening at this point and so we're not even venturing into that location <laughs> right now whatever that is in the recesses of your brain. what was? Important for me was as I was coming out and I was talking to the therapist. She's like, "Are you back?" And I'm like, "She's like, where are you?" And I said, "I'm here. I'm I'm in the room. I can't believe it." She's like, "Do you want to try to close your eyes again and or you know see if you can go back in because it's clearly you still have ketamine in your system?" And I tried for about a minute and I was like, "This isn't. It's not. I'm here." And she's like, "Well, why don't we just talk?" So I laid there with the eye mask on. I kept my eyes closed and we just spoke we just talked and it was lovely it was we talked about uh, how I was feeling my body felt very grounded yet buoyant which was really kind of my intention for the day was to kind of anchor that feeling that I'd gotten the last session into on Tuesday to keep figuring out how I can clue into my body at times to feel that grounded centered feeling which is so lovely to be able to experience it's i'm i'm sort of gobsmacked that i don't really know what that feels like or didn't really know what that felt like in myself and i've gone you know this many years with really not having that but i also recognized was the feeling of feeling like safe and part of the world part of just part of existing in a way I didn't feel untethered I didn't feel like I was having to think about every emotion every movement everything before I did it and I'm not saying that that happens every single moment of every single day for me but it happens a lot and being in the zone is what I call it, it really only happens when I'm like on set or in a booth or doing some sort of uh, sometimes even in rehearsal it, it'll happen but for the most part I don't I'll get in the zone sometimes if I'm writing I'll get in the zone sometimes if I'm playing music but it's not it's not common and a lot of those things have been not in my life recently just because of the pandemic and the structure of being at home and having kids <laughs> being able to get to that point where you're not being needed because there's no real free time and there's no there's no space here So having that moment to just have some space and just sit and feel the chair and feel my hands and feel my breath and just sort of just get comfortable with being comfortable. I started to talk about the feeling of being safe and I had a memory pop up where uh, I was out, I went to a, those of you who don't know, I went to a boarding arts high school in Michigan. And my parents had built a house up there for a while. So we were in this, we we had this house. And the weekend that I was supposed to get married to my ex, uh, I went up there. My mom was up and uh, John, who was not technically my boyfriend at the time, but I think we were seeing, I don't remember exactly what was going on, to be completely honest with you. But we also brought up my dog, the dog that I had shared, had been shared with my ex and it was my weekend to have him and we sat on the dock right on this lake and just looked at the sunset and it was so beautiful and I remember that feeling of feeling like breathing and saying you know imprint this memory I hadn't seen the movie inside out yet but I had I I probably would have like imprinted it as part of a core memory uh for those of you who've seen the movie but I didn't have that I just sort of was like remember this keep this moment remember this moment as is important as a something to call up again and I did I actually ended up using that memory once again in an acting class a few years later and it resonated and it was important and it's just sort of sort of sat in the recesses of my mind I've since not had that dog that dog was a a, a heartbreak because we had a number of animals uh, my ex and I we had a chinchilla two rats and the dog and the dog Gino was given to me basically as a Valentine's Day gift the, the year we got engaged or like within the year we got engaged the year we were supposed to get married and so that was February and we adopted him but because my fiance was the one that put his name on the Papers. He actually did the adoption. He claimed that the dog was his, even though the dog clearly had bonded with me, and said, "Well, we can share him." And it was sort of his way of kind of keeping me on a on a leash in a way, keeping me connected to him. I think he didn't want he he left he left the the he had left the relationship. He was not happy, but didn't know how to handle that, and so said, "Well, we can't be we can't get married, but." Basically, he wanted still wanted me to take care of him. And his way of keeping me around was I had a key to the apartment so that I could come get the dog or take care of the dog or do what I needed to do with the dog or whatever. And that was his way of keeping me on a short leash, but not having to make a commitment. And when I finally realized that that wasn't going to work anymore and I couldn't move on in my life with that, I handed him back the keys and I knew that that meant I was handing him the dog, which was heartbreaking for me. That dog was my, he was my everything at the time. And I was just, I mean, I used to have fantasies. We lived not far from each other at this point. I, I had moved out into an apartment, but it was not far from where we had used to live and where he still lived. And I used to fantasize about driving by the apartment and just sneaking in there and scooping him up, just getting him and taking him home with me and Or like leaving the state. I was so sad to have had to make that choice. It felt, it felt unbearable at the time. But as I was sitting here and I was having this memory of the sitting on the dock and sitting with the dog and sitting with John, who was clearly the person I'm supposed to be with, clearly. uh, Heartbreaking or not, uh, or being left basically two months before a wedding is kind of horrifying and awful and hurts. But clearly there was a better plan for me the the sense of safety is really what I kept coming back to and I felt this peace and it was almost like I had all of these memories they were like marbles in a in a beautiful glass dish and I I I, when I was like remember this I kind of did this gesture where I took like a marble and plucked it out of my brain and placed it in this glass dish with the other mem- memories and I could put my hand in there and I could feel the marbles and the marbles seemed right to me just because there's they're smooth and there's a there's just a, a light like there's a heaviness like a, gra- a gravitas to marbles but there's also this like there's something sensory and tactile about moving around in them so that felt really right for some reason and I think I've just sort of run with that image for me. It just seems, it feels correct. Uh, And some of the other memories that I started to sort of drift to as we were talking, as I was telling her the story, I began to realize that I have other moments where I felt this sense of safety. And I, I remembered another one where I was going in for surgery when I was 19 and my parents were both out of town way out of town. My mom was in China. My dad was in the Virgin Islands. They were on trips doing, my dad was going sailing and my mom was on a trip in China. And I ended up finding out I had to have surgery, pretty major surgery. They didn't exactly know what they were going to find when they went in. It was exploratory. Turns out I had a dermoid cyst on my ovary and they had to cut that out. And it was enormous. It was the size of a honeydew melon. Uh, And if you don't know what a dermoid cyst is, you're lucky it was basically my twin that I had absorbed in utero when I was in my mom's uterus mm-hmm. yep so it has like hair and teeth I'm sorry that's like horrible and horror story but it's true and that's basically what it was it was this enormous cyst that had grown probably since I had been So I was 19 when this happened so probably around like when I was hitting puberty And it had been growing and growing and finally got to this point where it just sort of grew. And uh, I wasn't feeling great and went to the doctor and I was like, "Mm, what's going on? And he's like, you need to go get an ultrasound because something's going on. And uh, I get back to my house and they're like, well, you need to be in the hospital. What are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, you need to have surgery and that needs to come out now. So i this was way before cell phones. So I couldn't call my parents. I didn't have a way to get in touch with them. I... I called my brother, who was, you know, early 20s and was like not really helpful, except he did call my aunt, who got in touch with my dad, who got in touch with my I mean, it was like they did get in touch with everybody. So my mom had to figure out a way to get home as fast as possible, uh, because they'd scheduled my surgery and there was nobody here. And I mean, that would have been fine. I just sort of assumed I was going to go into surgery alone. I didn't expect her to get back. I actually didn't think she was going to make it. And uh, I remember, like, I had somebody come over and they took my blood. And I, like, all these different things that I was sort of putting together myself. Uh, and I was so, like, it was a little lost. But I, you know, was I had to make it work. And I told my best friend, Adam, what was going on. And he, he lived in Minnesota at the time. And Adam hopped in his car, like didn't think twice, hopped in his car and drove his rickety old blue car down to visit and make sure that I wasn't alone. And I don't even think he was here 48 hours before my parents, both of them, ended up getting home right before I was going in for this surgery. But he, he came here for me. He came so that I would feel safe. And I remember feeling so much better when he walked in the door and so much like it, like it was going to be okay cuz he was there and he read me books and he like sang songs to me and he made like my my stuffed animals like talk to each other and he read me he he made me a mixtape and he I mean he was just so good to me and i i really i don't think i ever told him just how much i cherished that because it did the thing that I don't ever remember feeling, which was safe. And there are a few others that I can recount of feeling safe. Some of them actually have to do with Adam. Uh, Adam was in my life for a few years and then we lost touch because, you know, we didn't have Facebook back then. We didn't have – we didn't nobody had cell phones. We had no real no way to reconnect and have since connected again. And I'm so happy about that because it's – it feels – right to have him back in my life again he he was such an important part of my life he was one of the few people that made me realize that not all men you know and 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 even with opportunities where you know you're young and your kids and anything can happen and whatever we I never felt unsafe with him and that was a big deal for me especially in high school so you know, away from my family and away from you know being at home, which was in and of itself not a very safe place to feel. But all of those things, I, he just always he he was my he was he was my rock there. And I'm just I'm very thankful that I had that, and and that I have that as a memory that I can pull out of that marble dish when I need to remember what safety feels like, uh, and the fact that I had I had experienced that, so I had something to refer back to. I was like, okay, well there was this moment. Or there were these maybe four or five moments in high school or these moments in childhood that I can really remember feeling safe with my grandma. I remember feeling so safe with her. And so there's just these moments. And it occurred to me as I was telling some of these stories to the therapist that my default is unsafe, that my whole life, my default has been to feel unsafe and the reason I have such specific memories of feeling safe is because those are the memories that I have of feeling safe. Just like I have, a, a, I have a constant unsafety, but there's like levels of that. So there's the the tr- very traumatic moments, like those exact moments where abuse happened, or what happened with my uncle, or you know when I got the email from my <laughs> fiance telling me that. We're not getting married anymore. Uh, that was fun. The so those like moments that are more in in like imprinted in the world in my in my system, those are higher frequency unsafe moments, or like when you were about to get you know when you're in the car and you slam on the brakes and you're, ah you know that moment of feeling unsafe. But my regular state of mind and regular psyche and sitting in the world was unsafe. The world is unsafe and I would work really hard to pretend it was safe, to try to make it feel safe, to do things that created a simulacrum of safety. But if I really, really sit here and think about it, safety only was literally in these handful of marbles in the glass jar that I can honestly say I felt safe and content and peaceful and peaceful. And here I was coming out of this experience and that's what I was feeling overall was this sense of peace and safety and being okay in the world, which is something I've been dreaming about, like dreaming to have this feeling that people talk about. And yeah, sure, there's this like, piece of me that keeps thinking hey you know is is the other shoe gonna drop and I'm gonna fall out of this and I'm not gonna be able to maintain it yeah probably I mean maybe maybe that will happen maybe I won't be able to maintain this forever but I can maintain it I can come back to it I have the tools now to come back to it that's that's what the therapist was saying to me she's like you know how to your body is remembering how to get back to this state of safety and peace and comfort and I don't even think that I recognized that that was an intention that I had technically I think I called it other things but this is so much better than I realized I needed I, I didn't realize just how much I needed this and this is exactly what I was searching for without realizing that that's what I was searching for which is kind of amazing and while I think I achieved a, a sense of this last session, I mean, had that been my last session, I would have been fine. I would have experienced that feeling of feeling grounded and buoyant and all of the good things. This really did anchor it for me. And I came out with just, I feel like my throat has opened up. I don't feel constricted. I don't feel like I'm pushing things down and shoving them away. And again, I haven't had, knock wood, I haven't had anything really terrible and horrible and sad and grief-stricken or traumatic happen to to experience whether or not I'm going to come back fall back into those patterns again or if I will fall back into those patterns again here and there and yet I will then be able to remind myself okay remember how it felt when you were x y or z pull out one of those marbles and hold it up and look at the scene one of the things that uh I was saying as I was as we were sort of ending the, the session and I was taking my mask off, uh, is I sort of see that same sunset that I saw sitting on the dock with John and Gino and i I'll, I had always, I've always been really, so I have, I have two things. I've always been really enamored of those Zen gardens, the fountain gardens, where there's like smooth little pebbles and then you know you turn on the water and it rolls. And we ended up buying one for my mom one year and I loved it so much. I love the idea of that water feature. I love the idea of the water falling down through the pebbles. One of my favorite memories of ever taking a trip somewhere, and I have lots of photos of this, is being in Lithia Park in Oregon. There was like this beautiful, it's just so beautiful. And anytime there's a water that's sort of spilling down over rocks and things like that, and it just is, it's like finding its way and fighting through making a pattern, you know, in, in the earth, if you will. Something about that is very serene and calming and lovely to me. And so I have this, it's not even with somebody that I have great memories with, but that trip was meaningful because of that experience in Lithia Park so I I think about I was telling her that I was thinking about that how that made me feel that the smooth rocks and the water going down and sort of envisioning it as this like sunset over those uh like behind the the rock waterfall water fountain and I I would have that kind of a larger feature of that in my in my world in a, in a backyard someday, it would be amazing. Um, along with my butterfly garden. So, <laughs> so yeah. And then when I finished, uh, when we finished, I got up and they were so lovely. They did this sort of ceremonial ending. There were bubbles and, uh, I got to create a little felt piece that they put in the shadow box that they keep at the, at the office. And, I got to get a, a printout of the poem that my therapist wrote and gave to me, and then some quotes that everybody put down some of their favorite quotes on on this like pretty parchment paper, and then I got to choose a pin, and I thought this was interesting because they were all really cool, like these little like, pins, and they all had said something. One was like warrior, and was like you know um finding comfort or something, and. I was really drawn to this little silver, white, and orange van that said something like, enjoy, no, it's enjoy the journey. That's what it was. Enjoy the journey. And I thought, yeah, it's the one. I That's what I want. I want to enjoy the journey. I want to be here. I want to enjoy the journey when I was going through the treatments. I wanted to enjoy the journey of this world that we're in and this journey that I'm on and what I'm learning and Growing and and I think the biggest thing that I I will leave all of this with is that I wanted as I was talking about safety and the feeling of being safe I realized that that is something that I'm desperately always trying to create for my boys for 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 Jackson and Jordan I want them to feel safe and. It's interesting because with Jackson, because his communication skills are so different, sometimes I don't know if he feels safe because I don't know how his body is responding to the world. There's a lot of speculation that that autistics live similarly to how I was living in sort of a fight or flight all the time. Uh, Hence why stimming and all of these other things that they do can sometimes relieve that anxiety but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have moments of feeling safe. And I sincerely hope that he feels safe in our home and he feels safe with me. And I feel like I get just glimmers of that sometimes. He'll look over and smile at me and he'll say hi, like he'll realize that I'm there and it's and it's a it's a good thing. And I think that that is in Jackson's world, him feeling safe. And then with Jordan, you know, he's a little little guy, um not quite 3, and he just he has big feelings because he's a you know he's a little 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 guy so when he has these big feelings and he you know is sad or he gets up from his nap and he's really cranky or he wants something and he can't have it my just holding him and holding him and telling him you know I understand I know you're sad I I I feel your sadness I know I just you know I want to hold him so that he feels safe and I didn't realize that that's what I was doing that 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 was what that comforting was doing was was trying to cultivate a place of safety and I also think that I was trying to cultivate it for myself too this idea that if I could soothe him maybe it would soothe me I'm just thinking that that might have also been a reason why sometimes when Jackson has his meltdowns and I can't soothe him I feel like I'm failing a little bit because even intellectually knowing there may be reasons beyond my under comprehension and understanding of what he's going through, because he can't communicate it. That that doesn't really mean that I'm a failure, but it feels like I'm a failure a little bit. So usually, with Jordan, I can figure out a way to navigate out of that discomfort with him, you know, not, not denying it, but just more giving him space to have those feelings. And oh, man, I just, I don't ever want my boys to ever feel like they don't have space to have those feelings. I want them to have those feelings and I want them to know that we are a safe place to have them and that I'll never make him, either one of them, feel bad for their feelings. Their feelings are valid and I mean that wholeheartedly and whatever I can do to help, I'm here. So yeah. I would say that this whole experience all in all was super successful for me. It was hard. It's still hard. But I have to say this has been such an important thing I've done. And I'm, I'm really happy that I made this choice. Things have shifted. I'm hoping they will stick around and stay for the better. But if they don't and I need to find another pathway or another route, then I will. But there's a regulation, there's a calm, there's a peace, there's a buoyancy, there's a groundedness that I don't remember having lasting longer than fleeting moments, moments, marbles in a, in a glass jar. So I'm going to run with it and hope it, it, it hangs out with me. And if not, maybe I'll try to get it back. And we'll see what happens. Enjoying the journey. That's what I'm doing. So yeah. Thank you for coming on this ride with me. Thank you for sticking with it and being a part of this with me. I've I've felt it. I've felt you around me. I, I know I shouted out a few people the last episode, but it 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 just warms my heart to know that that you're out there and it also is really helpful to know that I maybe I'm offering something that you considered and didn't know if it would be right for you and I can't, you know, obviously, your mileage may vary. I say that, but I I honestly don't remember feeling this kind of relief and peace and safety in a sustained way before. So, yeah. And please, ask me anything. I'm here. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Allie, A-L-I underscore Goodman. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I have an acting with Allie Goodman or acting up with Allie Goodman. If you look up Allie Goodman, A-L-I Goodman, you'll you'll find me <laughs> I'm sure and uh yeah that's it Ooh, so thank you friends just remember let's just take it one day at a time one minute at a time sometimes one second at a time and just hang in there solidarity my friends I love you all